going to get into the next little bit here where we're talking about the Bible. So I just want to go ahead and invite Jim on up. Uh, I'm going to bust through my intro instead of dragging it out too much longer, Jim. Would you guys give Jim Langdahl a round of applause? They didn't do that for me, Jim. So, you know, just a little bit of a clue. Uh, as we as we get started with this, we've been in this series regular, and uh, I'll introduce Jim here in a second. But uh, in this series regular, we've been talking about the regulations, the rules of life, how we live our lives, and how God wants us and even designed us to live our lives. So we talked about in, at the beginning here the first step being practices of silence and solitude because that helps us get centered on who God is. It brings to mind all that God might be doing in our lives. And if you just do that, then you're doing pretty good. Then we moved into the practice of Sabbath, which is this uh, practice of rest, of a rhythm and a routine of rest to remind yourself that you are not your job. That when somebody asks what you do in our culture, we often reply with our vocation. Oh, uh, I'm retired, or oh, I'm an engineer, or I'm a police officer, or whatever. We, we often re reply with what we do to get paid, which is kind of interesting when you think about it, because that's not really what the question is. What do you do? I don't know. What, what, what do I do? So Sabbath is a good answer to that. I rest. I am a, I'm not just what I produce. I am much more than that. And then we moved last week into this conversation about community, where we talked about the importance of being together. And as we get into this, uh, we're talking about the Bible today. There's a scope and a sequence to what we're doing here. This isn't just made up and pulled out, you know, in some random order. Those leading up to this is intentional because uh, without getting too much into the weeds, a lot of people think that the Bible is really simple and easy and so th what they do is they place the Bible at the front end of how they make decisions uh, in life. And, and so they, there's this phrase that I love to hate on, uh, basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E, get it? Mm. Uh, yeah, Jim loves it. Uh, <laughs> basic instructions, there's 45,000 denominations, guys. Basic instructions, really? How? Come on. Uh, <laughs> So let's not be naive about the reality that, hey, this is a complicated book. And, and if we take the Bible literally, we'll be stoning children at the city gate. Maybe not something we should do. Okay, well then what do we do with this thing that is the Bible? We know uh, one, of the, one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture, Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, talks about God's Word. It says, your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my on my path. Okay. So we know the word basic probably isn't the right word to describe it, but we also know that it's not overly complicated to the point to where it cannot be understood, so we're just completely lost, that it's somewhere in between those two. It's understandable, but it also goes much further than that. So when we talk about this stuff, we're talking about it in this order for a reason. It's because you can have a vibrant prayer life, and if you do that first and foremost before you get into your Bible, then you kind of made it. You, you, you live in community with others before you even open your Bible, that's okay. Like, you don't get extra bonus points for reading 25 chapters a day or five chapters a day or, you know, nothing. You, God doesn't love you or judge you based off of any of this stuff. So then how do we approach the Bible? 
And that's why I brought one of our elders here at Chaparral Christian Church to give us all the answers. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you, Jim. I, I do like the I in Bible instructional because the Bible is instructional. That is true. The Bible's a lot of things, yeah. and, and we'll, we're going to get into that. So with Jim here, Jim, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit. Okay. Share about where you've been, what you're sure. up to. Thank you. So I was born and raised in Michigan. I grew up uh, in Lutheran churches, uh, more or less just kind of going through the motions. Um, by high school, I was dating some uh, pretty interesting girls, most of whom would not want to be caught dead in a Lutheran church. Um, but uh, then I met this one girl in... Uh, in the uh, you know, school plays, I worked on school plays, and she was just different. Uh, so I worked up my courage, I asked her out, and uh, on our first date, she told me her best friend was Jesus. I thought, wow, I mean, I, I couldn't say that, and uh, I was kind of taken aback, but um, this was a God thing. So we kept dating and uh, talking, and uh, before long, she dragged me to uh, a prayer meeting in Detroit in 1971, and that really changed my life. Um, there was a group of Christians that had gotten together in, uh, in Detroit. This is back in the Jesus Freak, Jesus Movement days. So you would call yourself a Jesus Freak? Uh, I had long hair. I had a headband. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, all that stuff. Wow. Any yeah. pictures? Any my pictures wife of has that? pictures. <laughs> Ken we Johnson some of that has penny. pictures. <laughs> Um, but so she takes me to this prayer meeting, and uh, it turns out that it's a, a Christian community of uh, believers who got together on Friday nights, kids, high school kids that prayed, um, and it became more than that. Uh, it became an actual community of people who lived together. We bought houses. Uh, we lived in common. We had these prayer meetings. Uh, we had uh, service projects. Uh, each day we started with morning prayers. We had evening prayers. Um, if you worked, you gave your money into the household. If you didn't work, you took money out of the household. Um, I was going to school at this time. So this was kind of living out Acts, you know, the book of Acts in the early church. Uh, and it really changed my life. Um, I met Penny at the New Vine. She was part of that. Uh, I mentioned Ken Johnson. Ken Johnson was part of the New Vine as well. Um, so this uh, really affected me. This was the first real wake-up call I got from God, um, that you couldn't just go through life sitting in a pew. Uh, no offense to you folks sitting in pews. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, God calls us to, to follow him and to love Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. So about five years in the divine community, uh, I, got, I graduated, I got an engineering degree, got a job, married Penny, um, and I did some various high-tech jobs around the Detroit area. And then in 84, uh, I joined Motorola and in 94, they moved me out here to Phoenix. Uh, we bought a house two blocks from the church. Uh, we ignored this church for a couple of weeks, trying to find a Lutheran church that we liked. We couldn't find one, so we finally came here, and, uh, you know, <laughs> the rest is history. So, yeah, uh, we've been here for a while. Nice, nice. Well, that's great. The, so, <clears throat> talking about the Bible. Sure. What is it, why do you think that it is an important part of our spiritual life? When we talk about, again, this regular, this routine, these practices that we adopt, what is it about the Bible that you would say makes it so important and unique? So what is the Bible? I think that's the first question we should ask. Uh, and in my view, my way of thinking, uh, it's a way, maybe the main way or one of many ways that God speaks to us. Um, it's, it's his way of, uh, of communicating which makes me uh, ask the question, you know, who is God? So if I could digress for a minute, if you'll indulge me, 
Um, I'd like to talk about God just uh, to set the stage. And Kelly's comments this morning during worship were perfect. She talked about uh, going to the Grand Canyon, seeing the beauty of creation. Creation is what God did. He created this world, this universe. It is incredible. It is amazing. It is infinitely complicated, yet simply beautiful. Um, the, the images from the Hubble telescope and the James Webb telescope show us clusters of stars millions of light years away that are just uh, phenomenal. Um, doctors have probed our bodies and found these intricate cell structures that interconnect and, and give us life and, and keep us breathing. Have you thought about the eye? How does the eye work with rods and cones and upside-down images and it all comes together? Creation should make us ask, how can this be? Who, who made all this? This is much too much to be an accident. So the creation has a purpose, and that purpose is it points us to God. I have a couple scriptures I'd like to share from Psalm 19, 1. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The heavens, nature, points us to the creator, to God. And in Romans, even more uh, clearly, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, creation, so that people are without excuse. Paul says it very plainly here that creation, God's work, points us back to him. And if we don't take that lead, that prompting, then it's on us that we should respond to what we see around us. Um, Mary Cartwright was up here a couple weeks ago, sitting in this very chair, and uh, she talked about taking a Sabbath rest and working in her garden. What was she doing? She was communing with God through nature. Um, yes, there's the God who was responsible for the entire universe, vast as it is, but he knows us personally, even to the number of hairs on our head. So creation points us to God. Yeah, and well, and so you said God talks to us. So in what way, because again, like I am talking in a microphone through speakers and all that, uh, in what way does God speak to us? That's a great question. Um, so yes, there are people who have heard God speak to them, who have had conversations with God. The Bible has examples, Moses and David and others. But uh, personally, I've never had a conversation with God, and maybe you have, maybe not, I don't know. Um, I think it's rel relatively unusual for God to speak audibly to somebody. Um, but I think he does speak to us. Uh, I think the vast majority have not heard him speak, but the vast majority of us have access to the Bible, and the Bible is how God speaks to us. He uh, was responsible for the Bible being created, put together, given to us, passed down through the generations. Um, you, so he has absolutely spoken to us through Scripture. Uh, he is not silent. The 66 books of the Bible, we learn about God, about creation, about sin, about the fall, about evil in the world, and God's plan for solving these problems and bringing us back to him. It's about relationship. So in the Bible, we find, we find out how to be in relationship with God. Creation points us to God, and God is revealed in the Bible. Yeah. So God being revealed in the Bible, how we know that there's, and this can be a pretty big rabbit hole, but how can you trust 
the Bible? Like, in what way do you trust it? That's a great question. Um, so the, the Old Testament, just to kind of take care of that for a second, I mean, the, the Old Testament came to us through the Jews, uh, and they cared for that and passed that down with scribes who were trained, and, and that is their, um, their, their heritage to us. The New Testament is kind of on us Christians, uh, and that comes through the Gospels and the letters and the epistles that are written. And those were created back in the, written in the early first century. Um, they were passed down, oral tradition to begin with, and then through, through writing. But if you look at uh, all these early ancient uh, texts and literature, like Homer's Iliad and the writings of Josephus and Herodotus and other Greek and Roman scholars, people accept those, right? You, you, you don't, dis you don't uh, dismiss that these writings exist. But if you look at the New Testament, it has anywhere from 100 times to 1,000 times more backup uh, substantiation, manuscripts they're called, to prove that it actually exists. Uh, the, the New Testament is by far the most validated piece of ancient literature that this world has ever seen. Uh, even writings as recent as Shakespeare have more textual controversy than the New Testament does. So the New Testament is backed up by these ancient manuscripts that uh, prove to us and to scholars that it really is what it says it is. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's an important thing because I think for a lot of us, you don't want to just say, oh yeah, I blindly trust in this thing that you know, fell out of the sky onto our lap and there it is fully formed. We know that that's not how it came about and all that, but how do we trust it? And so that's great, and, and of course, there's a lot more to that too, but in you know the effort of trying to keep things a little bit uh, moving forward here, understanding that about the Bible, okay, it can be trusted, and and we can look into that more later. For spiritual health, for the for our own growth, how should we be reading the Bible? What are some tips, you know, and, and, and talk to the person out here that, that might not have a regular rhythm or habit of reading or studying anything in the Bible. I absolutely think we should read the Bible. Uh, it should be one of the foundations of our faith. But if you have very little experience reading the Bible, uh, I would start by reading one of the Gospels, uh, and I'd recommend the Gospel of John. Uh, it's uh, one of the shorter Gospels. Uh, he's one of Jesus' 12 disciples, so he actually walked with Jesus. In fact, Jesus had 12 disciples, and he had three, an inner circle of three who were his kind of trusted uh, companions, and John was in that inner circle of three. So he has some unique uh, insight into Jesus, and if you read his gospel, you get a little bit more of a personal view of who Jesus was. It's, it's different than the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke. So John is, is very key. Uh, and then I think reading each day is also very helpful. Um, you can decide how much time you have to allocate, uh, what the part of the day works best for you. A lot of people will spend 10 or 15 minutes in the morning reading. That's a very popular practice. Uh, but whatever you do, do what you will stick with. Uh, don't make some grandiose plan and then let it fall by the wayside, but pick something uh, doable and then do it. Well, and, and like, yeah, to piggyback on that too, uh, whatever you choose, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, that's great. Like jump in and commit to doing that. If you have five minutes, if you have two minutes, 
<laughs> take yeah. it. Like, like that's okay. But like the something that I found myself because I, I there's a Bible reading plan. I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's like machine or something like that. You read the Old Testament um, once through in a year and the New Testament twice in a year. And so it, it's a relatively heavy reading plan. But as a pastor, I feel like I kind of have to. Uh, just kidding. No, I, I, I enjoy it. I do. But the there are times that instead of sitting down and reading five chapters or something like that, uh, which is about how much it ends up being, I'll read a verse or two, and I'll be just caught up in a verse or two. And I'll hang there for the whole day. Just, I don't need, you know, I don't get, again, I don't get any bonus points for just busting through that and finishing all the reading plan for the day. That's okay. It seems like God's in this, these two verses right here. God has something to say to me here. I'm going to spend my time in this. And then there's other times that you read like 20 chapters and you're like, I don't even know what's even going on. And that's okay too. Like God's cool with both of those. But yeah, yeah. sticking to whatever you plan yeah. is probably the most important part yeah. of that. Determination, discipline, very important uh, in reading the Bible. Uh, and it's, it's helpful to you. Back to my John suggestion, uh, if you try to do that, uh, 21 chapters, five minutes a chapter, 21 days should be pretty easy. So uh, there's a Bible reading plan for the Gospel of John. Uh, having a partner who reads with you, that's cool too. You can share and talk and ask questions and encourage each other. Being in a small group, very often small groups do Bible studies that help you study the Bible as well. So yeah, there's lots of things that you can do to read the Bible. The, uh, we're going to talk about resources uh... Well, well, I'll share a little bit more about how we're going to get out some resources to people, but what are some of your favorite resources, the most helpful things that you've found in your journey? Sure. So reading the Bible is uh, good. Uh, reading the whole Bible, you know, all the way through, great goal. Uh, trying to read it cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, uh, you know, straight through is tough. Um, it, it's tough. So what has helped me is... Uh, a chronological Bible. So let me just tell a story here. When I first joined Chaparral a while ago, I was in Mary Cartwright's uh, adult Bible class, and we got to talking about reading the Bible, and she recommended a chronological Bible named The Daily Bible, edited by a guy named F. Lagarde Smith. We'll put a link out online for you guys yeah, eventually. You don't have to memorize that. Uh, at any rate, that really clicked with me. Um, I've been reading it ever since. Uh, you read the Bible in a year broken with the daily readings, uh, there's commentaries before each one. But a chronological Bible uh, is easier to read because it makes the Bible kind of hang together more. Uh, see, the Bible is not chronological in and of itself in, you know, the, the book that we get. Uh, in general, yes, the earlier books precede the, you know, the newer book, the later books in time, but you cannot guarantee that what you read is a chronological, you know, straight through. Plus, there's repetition in the Bible. Some of the same stories are told in different books. So a chronological Bible solves some of these problems by making it just easier to read and, and hang together, and uh, it mentions passages that are repeated. So that, for me, is, is a real uh, lifesaver. Yeah. Any other digital resources or anything like that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's is a Bible lots. online? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> I can't believe he's asking that question. <laughs> So my favorite uh, online Bible is BibleGateway.com. I use it all the time. There's an app for your phone. Uh, it's on your desktop as, as a website as well. Uh, search function, you know, cut and paste, parallel columns, uh, 
you know, commentaries built in, all kinds of good stuff. Basic version is free, but you can pay money and get the more enhanced version. Uh, for just a general Christian support website, crosswalk.com, uh, I find very helpful. It's been around for years and very encouraging. Uh, Christian slant on news and headlines, um, devotionals, things like that. Um, other things that you can do, listening to Christian music. Uh, Kelly is a, a great leader for us in, in pointing us towards the Lord through Christian music. Uh, I think that's a great way to stay engaged. Um, and many songs, even some today that we sang, are scriptural. Uh, one of my favorites is um, Even If You Don't by Mercy Me, which is a song that's based on the story of the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel. Even if God doesn't save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's still God. Uh -huh. So we can learn something from that. Um, yeah. Bottom line, uh, being a Christian is a contact sport. Uh, there's no way that you can uh, sit back and relax and let things happen and check that box off. Um, Jesus gave his all for you, and he asks you to give your all for him. Uh, and that's, I think, uh, our response is to do that. And the Bible is God's gift to us to teach us how he loves us, how to live for him, how he's been active in this world since the beginning of time, since the creation. So the Bible is how we connect with God. All you have to do is read it. Yeah. Thank you. Would you guys give Jim a round of applause? Thank you, Jim. You bet. We're going to... Um, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit, but like I said earlier, the the uh, a couple things that we'll do is we have a pastor's desk email that goes out every Friday at 1030 uh, in the morning. If you want any of these links and several others, because we've done some stuff around here uh, where we've talked about the Bible, what it is and how to read it and how to kind of live your life with it there. Uh, we're going to put all that there for you with some links and some videos and all that stuff. Another resource, though, that I want to uh, put out to you is one called The Bible Project, which is on YouTube. It is an incredible resource. In fact, they just started organizing it in such a way that they have full-on Bible classes available for free, for free, online. You just go to YouTube and you hit it and you watch and you don't have to take any tests. You don't have to write any papers. It's wonderful. So uh, I just want to encourage you uh, on that front. Go uh, check that out. But as we wrap things up, here is uh, what Jesus says in John chapter 15. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The entire idea of what we're talking about when we talk about the spiritual life is we talk about abiding, remaining in Jesus. And what that looks like is, is difficult because we know that it's easy to not. It's easy to go in a different path, to go in a different route, and to uh, think that you have to live your life in a different way. It's tempting even. But what we see with Jesus is that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the way that we keep him front and center is by having rhythms and routines every single day, saying this is how I devote myself to silence and solitude so that I can better hear what God might have to say to me. So that when I read something in the Bible, I can also understand that, yes, it is 
speaking to me as well. Not only that, but then that we are reminded of who we are as people that are not just here to produce, but rather we live our lives in the presence of a God who rested on the seventh day. Did he have to? I don't think so. I think he chose to. And he shows us that that's who we are as well. That we find life when we're together. And when, when we have that life internally, when we have practices of reminding ourselves of what our identity is, and when we're living that in community, we pick up our Bibles, we start reading, and it all starts to make sense. It starts to make, it's still going to be difficult, there's going to be a journey, but, but we know that it starts to make sense when you read it together in community with a group of people that are pursuing the same things you are. And that's what my hope is for you, that you can be the kind of person that finds strength in these practices, that this rule of life doesn't feel burdensome, but rather feels freeing. At our gym, we, we say that's one of the mantras is fitness brings freedom. You wanna get good at getting off the couch? Well, start lifting a little bit of extra weight and you'll get really good. And as you age, you'll age really well. Why? Well, because fitness gives freedom. I'm convinced the same is true when it comes to following after Jesus. That these rules, these things, this life that we create for ourselves brings us the kind of freedom that we've always longed for. And that freedom looks like life in Christ.